I'm Ron Swanson for the Parks and Recreation Department, and I have prepared a brief statement. At approximately 7.45 p.m., my third porterhouse was interrupted by reports of a life-size nude Donald Trump statue on my front lawn. Eyewitnesses report the fugitive erected and urinated upon this glorious monument, then fled the scene babbling, Gunbro, Gunbro. This can mean only one thing, that Ryan Lochte is still on the loose. He is six foot two and known in certain circles as Douchey Smurf on account of the blue hair and heavy mouth breathing. He should be considered armed and dangerously stupid, but his mother would like him returned in functional condition. If seen, do not approach. Call animal control immediately. Still, you must admire the woodworking craftsmanship. That's solid mahogany. And the likeness is uncanny right down to the pubic wig. Donald Trump may want to make America great again, but this artistic rendition has made the Merkin great again. I should know I have one myself, made from fresh cedar shavings when I turn my third living room into a walk-in humidor. The smell is delightful. This act of vandalism will not stand. I will now take your questions. You, sir. As far as we know, the suspect is not rabid. That is just a silver medal in his mouth. You. The statue will remain until further notice, as I am quite fond of it. That is all for now. My steak is getting cold and my scotch warm. Good day. So I got something pretty cool. You know who Statler and Waldorf are from the Muppets? Oh, yeah. Okay, so check this out. I'm going to send you a picture. What I'm sending you right now is, is a picture of their, you know, their balcony. And I got mm -hmm. it hanging up. And I have Statler and Waldorf, too. I just I'm, I got to get on the ladder to get them in there. <laughs> like Diamond Select has these Statler and Waldorf figures. So oh, there was ever. Yeah, you can get them. I mean, they're really good. This is them with their chairs and everything. I just need to, I need to them up there so they can mock me while i write <laughs> that's awesome yeah i got their i got their balcony up there it's pretty bitching they're they're my two favorite muppets oh by far yeah yeah i like they're uh my favorite uh joke of theirs they're sitting up there and they and one of them goes hey these jokes aren't half bad and the other one goes no they're all bad oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I love that. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hello. This is Seth. Seth, this is Alyssa. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Well. Seth's I'm, in a bad mood, right? I, I am <laughs> in a little bit of a bad mood right now. I, I just got an email telling me I did not get a job that I wanted. So. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I had six years in the works, so. 
Uh, that is awful. I'm so, so sorry. But it is onward and upward. If you, uh, if you hear any excessively long delays, that is not the noose being tied around my neck. It's probably just <laughs> me having to go to the bathroom because I had some frozen yogurt earlier. And lactose does not do well. Fair enough. And well, Seth, I've known, I knew Alyssa in high school. We went to high school together. Ah. And, and she is a writer at Adventures in Foretaste. Seth and I went to college together. He's a trombone teacher. Awesome. Now, that's not your day. I'm embarrassed, Alyssa. I don't know what your day job is. Like, what is your, like, main? Oh, no, it's fine. I am a content strategist okay. for, a for a digital ad agency. Oh, okay. My. But I've only been doing that for, like, four months. So before that, I was a technical writer. Okay. That sounds like, it sounds like epic and vague all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When I got the job, I was it, it really was like, uh, I'm not exactly sure what you want me to do yeah. uh, because I don't really have never done this before. And then my boss was like, well, we haven't had a content strategist for a few years, so you can kind of make it up. And I was like, great. I don't have anywhere to start from, but sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. So, yes, it's been interesting. It could be a souped up title like. Yeah, they they used to they used to be called garbage men, but now they're called sanitation engineers. <laughs> so true. Uh, it, it hasn't there hasn't been any garbage involved so far. Uh, so so far so good. So you're not. It's not like placing business cards on on windows. Yeah, on on car window shields. No, thank goodness. That's, thank goodness. Yeah. Okay, so I had the. And by the way, if you, if you don't know this, like Seth, have you heard? Seth's intros before. Have you ever heard our podcast before? No, no, I okay. haven't. Sorry. I'll need to send you the link. He does really good impressions, and he did an intro one time. Like, he always does an intro based <laughs> on what the story. And we did one time, we had a friend, like, this was a former student of mine. She's a senior in college now. That tells you how old I'm getting. And uh, she was talking about, like, we were talking about our worst experiences as servers in the service industry. Oh, yeah. And she went to, like, this older couple's house, like, in their 60s, 70s. And they ended up like, you know, they always seemed like just perfectly normal people. And she went over there and like the husband was dressed in like a, a bustier with a ball gag and a blonde wig. And they had like bondage material all over the house and stuff. So he did a David Attenborough like introduction, you know, about Mar narrating his, National safe, Geographic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the safe word tonight is life. It was just like, <laughs> so we'll have an intro. I desperately, because we had you, I wanted to get into some geek stuff because, like, I think this is the most. Well, Alexis was and David were close too, but I think this is like this might be the most geeky triumvirate we have. But I, I have to talk about the Ryan Lochte story that has happened oh, recently. My God. So. Our national dip. Yes, please. Yes. I have well, here's feelings about Ryan Lochte, so yes, I'm, I'm all about. Are we recording yet? How's this work? Yeah, Seth always, we just kind of start talking and Seth can kind of magically make it sound like, you know, he's like, eh, okay. yeah, we just kind of, it kind of fades in wherever we're talking. Yeah, so, I, this awesome. recording is already 10 minutes in. Oh, yeah. okay. Good to know. All right. <laughs> yes, I I have very little patience for bozos in general. All right, we're yes. done here. We're done here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just, there's so much of him. He's made it so easy to just to just dislike him from yeah. his like 
obscene sneaker collection and the grill he decided was a really good idea to wear four years ago for a while. And before the games, I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he's he's grown up a little bit. It's been four years. Uh, and then he dyed his hair silver and didn't didn't occur to him to realize, oh, I'm going to be in chlorine. It turned blue. <laughs> and it's going to turn my hair green. And so, you know, there was some, oh, bless his heart. And then this occurs. And I was just like, really? An international incident is how you want to cap your Olympic experience. Good job. Yeah. You know what's amazing to me? Like Matt Jones on uh, Kentucky Sports Radio had a good thing. Is you know, this guy has probably, he's been really good looking his whole life. And a really good athlete. So he's never had to do it. He's an idiot. Like, have you ever seen interviews with him? He's like one of the dumbest people alive. So dumb. And then he does this. But I like this theory. Here's what I think what, why it's all happened. Like, if, if people aren't caught up with it. So, like, he went out and, on you know, out in Rio hanging out doing stuff. And then he got in an altercation with the security guard. They wouldn't let him use a bathroom at a gas station. So he and his douchebag friends, like, tore off the door and pissed all over the bathroom. And then they went back. He was supposed to meet his mom for breakfast and overslept. And he told her it was because he'd been robbed at gunpoint. And then she tweeted out something about it and mentioned it. So then when they asked him, he backed up the story and said, oh, yeah, I did that. I think and I agree with Matt Jones. I think he was because, I mean, really, he could have just let this go and not said anything. I think he should have owned up to it to at that mom. point. Yeah, he yeah I think he just... was scared to tell his mom yeah, what happened. Because he's got the emotional and intellectual capacities of a five-year-old. Serious, yeah. Like, what do toddlers do? They swim fast. Toddlers, <laughs> toddlers swim fast. They swim fast, and they pee on things. <laughs> yeah. Right in the pool. Right in the pool, Nick. I bet he pees in the pool all the time. Oh, I bet. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the fact, like, as soon as the story broke, my first thought was, oh, well, they were someplace they weren't supposed to be. Like, they probably weren't supposed to be out in that part of Rio anyway. And then I was like, well, and then the story, you know, kind of became, I felt slightly more sympathetic. Yeah. And I, I wanted to believe better because there was a UGA athlete involved in this. And, like, I wanted to think that a, a UGA person would be better than that, representing our great school. <laughs> no, they're all just a bunch of dip decided to act like stupid Americans perpetuating yeah. our wonderful international reputation. Yeah, our stereotypes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too, is that, like, he left. Like, he's he made it back to the United States. Like, one of his friends said they would stay there to give a statement. The other two got detained. They were on the airplane to leave and got detained. So he were they like others, he was a bigger douchebag. How many of them were other swimmers? I, I think, think all four of them. All four of them? Yeah, yeah I think it was a swim... I think it was like a swim party that they were at, whatever <laughs> event they were at at the whoever's house it was. At a Rio back alley gas station. Right. They're all they're all cupping each other, like you know, leaving yeah. those spots at their arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Circulation, bro. Oh yeah, nightmare, absolute nightmare. Normally, I, I just, scoff at people when they when they're like, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, what were they doing out at three a.m. to begin with? Normally, I think those kind of people are prudes, but in this instance, eh, I guess it kind of fits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh God. So I just, yeah, I just, and I, I'm still going with it. I'm, I'm thinking it had to be 
that he was scared to tell his mommy. I mean, that's just, yeah. I, I think it's a great story. I mean, it's embarrassing, but I don't know. It makes me want to laugh. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, even after she sent out the tweet, he should have just been like, no, 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 no. That's not what happened at all. But he just, it's like he doubled down. Yeah, he was that. the writer. Yeah. He was going to ride it out for as long as humanly possible because honestly, I just don't think he was bright enough to come up with another excuse. And as yeah. much crap as uh, Brazil and, and Rio, the, the, the like city officials and everything have gone through with this corruption, getting just getting the Olympics to begin with, that you know they are just there. Any any unjust amount of PR coming their way, they are going to pounce all over it, and they're just going to like rip him to shreds as well. Oh, yeah. They should. I mean, not to defend Brazil, uh, the Brazilian government by any means, because, you know, there are gang wars happening right now as the games are going on. So that's great. Yeah. And relocating people off of their land so they can erect a stadium that will be used for two weeks. Right. Exactly. So terrible things happening. But at the same. So, you know, with that, of course, they're going to come down on them with the power of a thousand thunderbolts because they have to. They have no other choice. By the way, speaking of the word erect, did you see what the New York Parks Department just released an official statement? This is awesome. Have you heard of those Donald Trump statues that have gone up everywhere? Yes, I was terrified to click on the pictures. I, I can't, I just, I can't unsee that. So I, yeah. I have stained. The, the, the New York, this is an official statement. I need to find this. It, it was, I want to say, I want to make sure I get this exactly right because this was their official statement, and it is the official maybe statement. Maybe one is of the it's most huge. My erect is huge. Actually, actually, that's the thing is they actually they said something. I'm going to paraphrase first, but it said um, the officially it said like, it is illegal to put up any sort of unsanctioned erection, no matter how small. <laughs> yeah, here it is. New York City Park stands firmly against any unprevented erection in city parks, no matter how small. Good God choice of word bless. firm, firmly. <laughs> oh. God bless the New York Parks Department. It that feels that feels that it makes me really happy. I was just watching uh, Parks and Recreation. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was just thinking. Literally before we started, and I, I feel like this could have been a storyline on the show. Oh, yeah. Now, you know what else I like is that, you know, if you look at the comments, which you're not supposed to, but I just can't help myself. You look at the the Trump people are like, oh, yeah, that's real nice. Karma's going to get you. It's like, you know, your candidate makes fun of people all the time. Shut the hell up. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you, if, I always like I if oh. I tell people who are like Trump supporters, I'm like, oh, you're stupid. And they get mad at me like you can't say that to me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yes, I can. I'm like, you like it when people speak their mind, no matter how politically correct or how bad it is. In fact, you even say, oh, he made fun of a disabled person, but he was just speaking his mind. I mean, he doesn't have a filter. Well, I just, I'm going to lose my filter, too. You're a dumbass. Or he, <laughs> say, or he says it seven times in one day, and then somebody calls him out on him, uh, calls him out on it, and then the next day, it's, oh, I was just being sarcastic. You know, that, yeah. Then all of a sudden, he's supposed to get a pass somehow. Yeah. No passes from me. Nope. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get on to geek stuff. Uh, by the way, I'm embarrassed to ask this, Alyssa. I sent you a quite. I said we we're going to talk about two things, and I've actually forgotten. I got so involved in this right long story. I know one of them was going to be about uh, Marvel and DC with corporate comics, and still enjoying like ones where we know. But what was there was another thing. I another topic, and I now I can't find the other topic. I'm embarrassed. Just checked my email. It is Star Wars canon. Oh. Yes. Okay. 
So I was going to ask like what you guys thought like this, like with Rogue One coming out, my impressions of it, I was really excited. I showed my dad the trailer and he was really excited about it too. Well, I was just going to see what y'all's thoughts were coming out with this. Like I'm one of those people, I was kind of mad when they dumped a lot of the old canon. I understand it, but I think it could have been done surgically. I think there were certain books like Palpatine and stuff that could have stayed in. I like the fact now we're getting so many in store. Like that's a really important time in the Star Wars universe that kind of never got. I mean, I mean, this is a cool thing. And, you know, everyone keeps trying to say many Bothans. Die. No, that's Return of the Jedi. Dang it. Like this is the, the story where they get the, the weapons design and all that. I mean, that's a cool story. I'm excited to see that. So if, if losing the old canon means we get more infill stories like this, I think they could potentially be more exciting than some of the mainline ones. But that's just me. I was going to see what y'all's thoughts were on it. It's not the first story I'd want to see. When I hear the title Rogue One, I think of Rogue Squadron, and I'm thinking like post-Return of the Jedi. The kind of time frame of if you're dealing with Wedge Antilles, or is Luke Skywalker still a part of that uh, that squadron? Or is you know, are we getting into mopping up the remnants of the Empire and pot the possibility of Grand Admiral Thrawn and those kind of characters? That's, that's kind of more what, what I would want to see. Uh, I am excited for the movie. I could just because I'm still excited for any Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I think it'll probably take a f- three or four years for me to get a little bit of fatigue as far as all these one-offs and spin-offs and sequel trilogy and stuff. But uh, uh, I'm I'm excited for it. The <laughs> the the I, it's going to take some getting used to uh, Forrest Whitaker with the the giant silver lion's mane. That I swear they toned down. I swear from the first trailer they released, he had like this giant Don King overgrown silver mane. And then they did all these reshoots and they kind of reined it in to a more uh, <laughs> more appropriate uh, or manageable length. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it and to see where you know, to, to have Darth Vader in it is cool. It's kind of almost a necessity to see where, where the whole how they grow and progress the whole Jedi mythos within that time period, I think will be interesting. Yeah, I'm so I've never read any of the expanded universe. Ah! Ah! <laughs> the sound of my clothes <laughs> renting. I know I'm there are certain geek cards that I just don't have. I hated Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. I, you know, there are a few things uh, that, that, that would strip me of a, of a nerd card, but I love the movies and I always have. I actually didn't bother to see the third prequel because the second one made me so angry. Mm. It was so bad. So the extent, the expanded universe, while I know a little bit about it just through the sort of cultural osmosis, it doesn't really have, you know, I don't really have a sacred place in my heart for it. I think it's got great ideas and I have a feeling that probably some of it will, will come up in, in different ways. Um, but I'm super excited for this movie. I think the trailer looks amazing. Oh yeah. I think that they they're setting up a really cool universe. They've got great, a great cast, great actors. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. I mean, I absolutely loved episode seven. I kind of went into it with 
with fairly low expectations. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up. The trailer looks amazing, yeah. but, you know, just what are you going to do? Don't screw it up. Just don't screw it up. Yeah. Just don't, don't screw it up. Exactly. We've all been scarred. And I, I mean, I left that movie crying and so happy because for me as a woman to have it starring a girl and not just a quote unquote strong female character, but like a complicated character and one who kicks ass, but is also emotional. And it just, she was so great. And now to see another movie that's going to feature a woman, I could not be more excited about that. What do you make yeah. of uh, the arguments that, that she's more of like a Mary Sue kind of character? Because I've heard that argument uh, quite a bit from a number of people. Yeah, I've heard it too. And here's why it's bullshit. Oh. <laughs> um, nothing that she does is anything that Luke didn't do in the first Star Wars movie. Nothing that she does is anything different than what Luke did in A New Hope. Well, but, he, she did will the lightsaber to her hand. She did, but there, and I'm I'm not going to be able. That to, was that was one of the best scenes of the whole movie, though. It was when she like when that yeah. thing flew. That was awesome. But I was expecting I I was expecting that not to go to her hand. I was expecting that to go to Luke Skywalker's hand. <laughs> I think a lot of people were, but I think yeah. the, the difference there that would have been better. The difference between her and Luke in that situation is that she knows about the Force. She knows about Jedi's. There's a lot more knowledge in the universe about Jedi's than there were in Luke's time. And she's already had some time to think about the Force and what it means. And if she's as strong in the Force naturally, because she's, you know, maybe Luke's daughter? Uh, we don't know. Uh, you know, trolling people about it is not possibly my favorite thing in the entire world right now. I just think I don't think you would level I don't think that this would be leveled on her if it if she wasn't a girl. I don't I think if she was if she was a, a male, she was a guy, I do not think we would be hearing that those accusations. I think they would just roll with it. Well we'll say this. I think the only thing Mary Sueish about her, honestly, I was the Millennium Falcon flying part. Because Luke was a pilot. Like so I could see him flying really well. But yeah. like the Mary Sue, the only thing Mary Sue was when she got in the Millennium Falcon and flew it like an expert. But other than that, Alyssa, you and I liked the movie, but not nearly as much as you. But honestly, Ray was one of the like one of the saving graces in the movie for me. Like someone asked us, what do you think? I said, I thought the characters and the actors were outstanding. Thank God, because I thought I, the story kind of ticked me off. It's like this is a New Hope redux. And there were a ton of plot holes in it. Like, for instance, you have. Poe Dameron, who, again, amazing character, you know, he's like, I have to fly back to Jakku and risk our safety to get this droid. And then because they wrote me out of the script but broke me back in, now I have to fly away from Jakku and, you know, forget about my mission. And <laughs> so there are all these little things that didn't make sense. But I thought her, she was the driving force that kept me really enjoying the movie. So I could deal with, like, you know, the fact she could fly the Falcon a little bit too the well for the first time. The rushed time. force powers and stuff like that, yeah. Well, but here's the thing. With the rushed force powers, I'm with Alyssa on that. Like, I mean, sometimes we forget either the person, the, either the person editing Empire Strikes Back did a terrible job or Luke learned a whole crap load of stuff in a very short amount of time. Like, yeah. think about it. Like, that whole timeline when he's on Dagobah and what's happening around him, that's a really short amount of time. Like, True. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. And then 
I don't know if you guys have seen it, but have you ever seen the, uh, you remember that old 9-11 video, Loose Change, the idiots thought was like a real groundbreaking thing about how 9-11 was a conspiracy and all that? Uh, I'm not familiar with that, no. I'm not uh, it a was, yeah, conspiracy. It was one of those, it was it was a movie that, you know, tried to show how 9-11 was an inside job. It's got all these factual holes in it. People thought it was great. Well, anyway, someone made a Loose Change video, but on the first destruction of the Death Star, and they had a good point. They're like, are you telling us that this pilot, who had never been officially sanctioned, was somehow able to launch two proton torpedoes without a targeting system on <laughs> after evading fighters? And I mean, it's yeah. a good point. Like, like I mean, he makes this one shot. You know, so I mean, I, I see where Alyssa's coming from on this because it's like, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of poor, there's, we kind of sometimes look at, at the old movies through a nostalgic lens that we don't pick apart the do you know we don't we didn't pick it apart i mean some of the luke stuff that he was able to do true it's like, come on true but at at some point you're talking about a character who had some guidance and or or training whatever you want to call it and a character who had no training or guidance at all and i don't even okay, mind she i don't was mind on her own like she was a survivor luke was a you know was raised know. at least by a mom but, and dad kind of but that's an argument in favor of luke being able to do those things but maybe not ray so I don't even I don't mind the you know, willing the the lightsaber to your hand. I, I don't mind that so much. It's more the Jedi mind trick stuff, where you know, supposedly there's like this hierarchy of powers that you know when in Episode Two Anakin's like my powers or in Episode Three he's like my powers have doubled since we last met Count Dooku, as if there's some way to quantify your Jedi powers. But <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like doing the the whole Jedi mind trick thing. Yeah, the asserting your your will through the force that way, that was the one that stuck out more in my mind than actually what what she did with the lightsaber. But again, you're talking about a character who had some guidance at all, even on Dagobah. Luke, yeah, sure he was the the way they edited everything. Yeah, is he on Dagobah for two weeks or for two months? How long does it take them to get to Cloud City and everything without a hyperdrive? Uh, but at some point he is having some kind of guidance in how to do that. So I would say just in, in her defense, the fact that she is a survivor, she has yes. been stranded on that planet, having to be self-reliant for, we don't know how long, however, however old she was when her family left. Yeah. It's the fact that she's been surviving as a scavenger. She's been around all of this equipment, probably tinkering with it, all the time, you know, we know that she can build things and make things. Mm. And something that I thought, <laughs> okay, we're going to get super nerdy here. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Okay. There was a fanfic that I read a really long time ago. It was actually a Stargate Atlantis fanfic. Oh, where man, it's going. It's plumbing the depths. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you, this, this is where I get my nerd. This is where my nerd cred comes in. Uh, so one of the it's it was a Star Atlantis fic uh, crossed over with Star Wars. So uh, Rodney McKay, who is this really in crazy intelligent scientist, is a Jedi in this fic. But in in this world, he was raised on like an asteroid, and so he's only ever been surrounded by metal and machinery. He doesn't have that sort of nature connection that other people have to the force. Mm -hmm. So, but he feels the force through electronics and mechanics. And so he can kind of speak to machines. And I was like, well, that could be a really, like, why couldn't that be happening with Ray? Like why she has she, because of where she's been raised, 
maybe she's connecting to the force in this totally different way. Yeah. So I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting, like that was what immediately struck me after I saw the movie was just maybe this, she has this different connection, the force she works with the force in a different way. Uh, it's a new thing and, called and metal, metal chlorians, metal chlorians. Well, and here's another thing too, with, with her, like Ray, I think some people forget, like Luke, when we meet him, he's not really a fighter. You know, he's a farm boy and you know, they go into that bar you know, they go into to Moss Eisley and he about pisses his pants. If it wasn't for Obi-Wan, he get, you know, he, he trained with that little light laser shooting around. But Ray, if you remember, like she kicked some ass, like when she was getting, you know, oh, yeah. swarmed, she had her. So, I mean, it's not like, and a lot of people forget too. Like I, one thing I hate is when people bring up, they're like, oh, how could you take on Kylo Ren? He was, he got shot in the side with a, with a, you know, Bo Bo yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why they were going. That's why J.J. Abrams kept panning down to those shots where he's hitting his side. It's bleeding out. Like, I mean, that was supposed to show you that even though she's not as trained as him, you know, yeah. why she would have a chance there. So, I mean, that that and again, I think Daisy Ridley, honestly, I mean, she's as, as much as the story sometimes bugged me a little because of how much it mirrored a new hope. I thought she was a, a much more compelling main character than, you know, what we've seen in the past of yeah. star Wars movie. So I, that she was the saving grace for me. And you know, Finn too, I like the fact that Finn wasn't completely likable. Like he, he was, he was a good guy, but he was also kind of, you know, like, uh, I'm going to lie about this and I'm a little scared to do this and all that felt a little more relatable. Cowardly, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was a cowardly lion kind of character. Yeah, I hope, he, I hope they explain where the British accent comes from. Because it, it, when you hear like first it was like only imperial officers had the British accent, and now Ray has, uh, yeah, I bypassed the compressor, you know. I was like, where, where's? I wonder where this accent is going to come from. Kind of like in Rogue One, we're like, where do all the Asian people come from in the Star Wars universe? Right. Uh, we're going to get yeah. the 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 diversity uh, inclusion now. I'm so I'm, happy to see that though. I mean, really, it it made me. It just made me so, so happy to see more diversity in this universe. I mean, it's it can only be a good thing in my in my mind. Of course, everyone has to be an offspring of Lando, though. It's like everyone's like, what if Finn, what if Finn is Lando's son? Think about it. It's next. You have to have that connection. You know, I think, didn't you tell, I thought you told me this, Seth. Didn't George Lucas, when he picked British actors, like he said it was because it would sound more classy? Uh, I don't remember saying that. It sounds, uh, it sounds plausible. Yeah, I think that, but I don't know. So, when you're trying right. to establish the bad guys, right, you have some like common threads in the bad guys that maybe don't make a whole lot of sense, but their accent or dialect is one way to do it. Now, Alyssa, I want to ask, you said you haven't seen episode three. Have you seen it since then? Uh, like, Well, my so my boyfriend is a massive, massive, massive Star Wars fan and deep deep OG fanboy. Yeah. And uh he forced me to watch the last we, we like fast forwarded. Well, okay. He lied to me. Telling he said, we're just gonna watch the last half hour. Uh-huh. So you know like so you can understand what what was set up and you know what things are being referenced. He told you Darth Vader betrayed and murdered your father. Right. <laughs> he lied to you. He lied to me. But we ended up watching the entire thing. And uh, so, yes, I have seen it. And it was better. Um, better than two. 
It was better than two. Yes, there was no rolling down a, a meadow, which oh. <laughs> <laughs> I Anakin. Almost, ha- almost having an aneurysm in the movie theater when that happened. I was just yeah. like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. Natalie Portman actually had some really good lines in episode three. I love her. And I think she, if bless her heart, she tried to her very best with some God awful yeah. I mean, she really did do the very best that she could. And the fact that she had to keep calling Anakin Annie. I mean, just everything terrible. Put her in the corset. Lace her up. Oh. Here's the thing. Maybe you guys will hate me for saying this. I love episode three. I think episode three is fantastic. You know, one and two, I think, have some moments. But I think episode three is just amazing. So I know I'm kind of... So that's what I was curious if you see it. I like it, but... Jason really, really likes it too. Uh, that's my boyfriend. Um, he really likes it. My problem with it is not that it's necessarily that bad. It's the fact that to me, it is a children's movie. It, it felt yeah. much more like a movie for kids than it really was for adults. Yeah, and George Lucas said he's, he was making those for his kids. Like his kids were yeah. growing up at the time he was making them. But have you ever done the, the Machete Order? Have you ever watched them in Machete Order? I haven't, but I would I would be really interested to as long as I could. We would do the um, what my boyfriend does with me with Star Trek, which is uh, fast forward through the boring parts uh-huh. of uh, of the odd numbered movies. Yeah. So we, we we fast forwarded through a large chunk of one. <laughs> yeah. We're we're only on episode. We're, he's he's making me watch all of them, and we're only on number three. But uh, yeah, I would I would like to do that sometime. I just. I really, I did not mind episode one. Like, I think I'm one of the weird people where I was like, episode one was fine. I remember seeing it in the theater and I was like, this wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But then two really got to me. Now I was going to ask, you said like, because this is, I was curious when you said you hadn't read expanded universe stuff. I, for a long time, held off on reading it. In fact, I must be cursed because I started reading expanded universe stuff about a year and a half before they did the continuity bomb. It's like, oh, come on. You know, I just read the Thrawn trilogy and all that was part of uh, at least this is for me. Part of the reason I didn't get into it was because it seemed so dense and so much of it seemed to be twisted to retcon. And like it seemed just kind of daunting. It was like, oh, there's so much stuff here that clearly was not meant to be this. And like you can even see like the Clone Wars. They tried to hint what the clones were and they were completely wrong. Does the fact that now the expanded universe is more cohesive and they're trying to link it to stuff like specifically, they're not letting it just go off on tangents where Luke's mother ends up being alive and being a different person than Padme. Like, does that make you want to read or look at the expanded universe? Because that helped me at least a little bit. Does that make you want to look at it more? Uh, that's an interesting question. I'm, I may at some point, I think, you know, I didn't even know that there were novels until college. My uh-huh. my roommate uh, in college was a huge fan of the expanded universe, and she had all the books. I loved the movies, and I, I think I just wasn't thinking about them in terms of novels, which is I'm not against it. It just wasn't anything that I had ever thought about reading, mostly because I I think at the time my interests, and, and mostly still now, are a lot more in fantasy-driven. Yeah. Um, but I would be, yeah, I would be interested because I'd like, I know the sort of the basics of, I would love to know about the twins and kind of their adventures and uh, not necessarily the the main characters, but I think the offshoot characters would be really interesting to explore. But 
currently my to read shelf is a little bit out of control. So it have to yeah. be at a time when I have a little bit more free space. I was okay. going to say my, my expanded universe novel experience was basically the exact opposite. I, I read the Thrawn trilogy uh, maybe a year before the third book came out, before The Last Command came out. I, I found them in a used bookstore where I used to take trombone lessons. This is when I was in like eighth grade. So all of my, that, that's when it started. I picked up like two copies of it. And it, it was everything up until college. So all of the exp- expanded universe stuff I've read uh, was like from the the Thrawn trilogy up till uh, that Mace Windu book, Shatterpoint, which was oh, actually yeah. really good. But everything past that, like anything dealing with like thirty years beyond Return of the Jedi, like I just looked at like I'm going to have to read this twelve volume set of the New Jedi Order or whatever and it's just like i i don't have the 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 patience or the wherewithal to to bear through uh each of these books but so once i got into college and it became the comics like once i got into the the dark horse comics like that's like one of the pride the pride and joy of my collection of geek stuff is i have every star wars comic ever made by dark horse oh nice and so that that was like my source for the force, so to speak, up through through college, and, and now I've I've read what have I read? I read the Tarkin novel, and I read Aftermath, but past that, I haven't really. Yeah, you know, I I think most of what's being put out comic wise is with with one or two exceptions is now all during that little clustered time period between A New Hope and you know Return or uh, Empire Strikes Back. Well, they've got the. They've got the Darth Vader comic and they've got the um, the Poe Dameron comic, which I reviewed the first issue of the Poe Dameron comic for uh, Adventures in Poor Taste. The story was all right. I mostly picked it up because Phil Noto was doing the art and he is my all-time favorite comics artist. And the art was gorgeous. It was everything I had wanted. The story was, was fine. Um, I didn't actually end up picking up the rest of the run and I may do it later, but I think both of those are set. Well, the, obviously the Darth Vader one is set earlier, but the Poe Dameron one is, is later. Yeah. I think they're just, they're just hesitant to put out stuff beyond return of the Jedi. That's going to lock them down. And then they'll have to do this whole retcon the canon thing all over again. Yeah. If the movies yeah. want to do something different. All right. So I'm going to move, I'm going to move us on so we can, cause I'm, I'm curious about what you guys think about this. Book. Cause I was, struggling with this today. So this is both of you guys. I'm going to just throw it out and let you guys talk about it or give my opinion. I, uh, so Seth and I, Alyssa, I don't know how, I don't know how your comic reading evolved or when you started. Seth and I had pretty similar paths. Uh, we read it in middle school. Uh, well maybe you didn't Seth. I don't know. read it in middle school, thought we were too cool for it for a long time and then realized we were dorks in college and started up again. And it's been ever since. Is that similar to where you were? Uh, not at all, actually. I almost really? seriously started reading comics a few years ago. Okay, I, I'm very new in term in in the expanded universe of comic book readers. Well, actually, okay, this will be a good perspective then for it. So, like, I know Seth and I used to get really mad when people would be dismissive of superhero comics. They'd be like, "Oh, capes. They call them capes." And I'm like, "Oh, shut up, you pretentious piece of shit." Like, I would just be like, you know, they're good, and it's comics, and it's a medium that's visual, and I don't want to watch two dudes in plaid shirts and black and white talk to each other. I want to see big, you know, things and stuff. 
But here's the thing. That was, I mean, that was, you know, two decades ago. I notice myself now as I get older, I'm free. Like I've dropped almost all my DC books and then like my Marvel books, I'm kind of like, you know, I like this and I like some of the writing, but I know nothing's going to stick. You know, I know Dr. Octopus is not going to stay dead. I know that when this character dies, they'll be back at some point. Like, you know, and it's, it's, I'm starting to see a lot of the same ideas and stuff recycled and there's some great writing sometimes. But like other things, like I'll give you an example. I, maybe I'm just being a jerk, but I cannot get back into Captain Marvel ever since Kelly Sue DeConnick left it. I just can't. I'm reading. I'm like, it's just like her story is cool, but you know, I already know where it's going because every Marvel character goes. I read it for the dialogue and like the funny, and, and now that's gone. It's kind of like, oh, all right. And so I notice myself now moving more towards indie stuff. I'm becoming that pretentious hole. You know, that like reads indie books and stuff. Now it's not, I mean, I'm reading like horror stuff like Nailbiter and people are getting blown apart and stuff. It's not like I'm reading, you know, boring stuff here, but I, I'm, I, because, you know, like in The Walking Dead, you know, when someone dies, they're, well, they're dead. They can become a zombie, but they're gone. It's not like, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, a story came out where someone at a shareholder meeting forgot that the internet existed. The, the guy running a Marvel shareholder before they were bought by Disney and said, we're going to kill a character every quarter. And the room kind of laughed. He goes, I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. You know, we've noticed a sales increase every time we kill a character. So we'll have a major death every quarter. It gets a lot of news coverage. Yeah. And do that. It's like, oh, wow. And I mean, number ones. Yep. Well, and I mean, DC, you know, when they had death of Superman and they started the whole trend. So I was going to ask you guys, both of you guys, number one, what keeps, because you guys both read Marvel and DC stuff still, what keeps you reading, because I, and I do too, what keeps you reading Marvel and DC stuff despite that? And number two, do you find yourself ever feeling burnt out? Like, do you like, okay, I know what's going to happen. And do you find yourself burnt out and moving more towards indie? Or are you okay with, you know, the superhero stories and the mythology of it and sticking with that? So Alyssa, I'll ask you, I guess, to go first on this, because you've, you've been reading, you have a compressed timeline. So I'd be curious to hear what you think on it. Yeah, and I, I will admit right now that I am woefully behind uh, on all of my books, um, except for the ones that I am forced to keep up with because I review them. Uh, so it's interesting. I think Marvel is what, well, that's not true. Buffy is what got me into comics. When hmm. the first books that I bought and followed were, um, were the Buffy season eight, uh, when that, oh, was, yeah. that started. Which I love, and I still love to this day. I think they're fantastic. Uh, but that's what got me regularly going to a comic shop and, and buying comics. And at the same time, uh, a friend of mine who was a huge DC fan uh, got me into the JSA reboot. That um, Which one? The, <laughs> the Jeff, uh, February, March, April? Which one? <laughs> this was in like 2004. No, 2005-ish. It was Jeff, not Jeff, was it Jeff Johns? Um, it was. It had Red Tornado. and. That sounds, yeah, that's Jeff Johns. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because that's, that's actually when I started reading. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we got it at the same time. So I read that for a while, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I actually kind of want to go back and finish, like, rebuild that collection and read the rest of them. But so then I, I kind of fell out of it once I didn't live near a comic shop anymore, or at least the one that I knew and felt comfortable going to. But it was Mark, my friend Patty, got me back into reading because she had gone hardcore into comics and had read like every Marvel event that had happened recently. And then she told me them beat by beat. 
<laughs> like she told me all of Civil War. It was it was amazing. She, if you ever want to get into something, get my friend Patty to to tell you about it. She will convince you of anything. So I started reading Marvel, and one of the first things I picked up was the Kelly Sue Captain Marvel, and got me absolutely sucked in. So I started with Cape Comics, and as I've kind of explored the world of comics, uh, I've definitely branched out, and I would say that probably my favorite books right now are mostly image wicked plus the divine yeah. is probably my favorite thing that I'm reading right now. But I also, I love lumberjanes. I love, they just, the, the favorite thing that I read this week is the brand new Boombox uh, book called, called backstagers. And it's kind of like the boys lumberjanes, except mm. it's set backstage in a theater. So it was basically made for me, mm. but I still love, I still love the Cape books and I do still read and buy a good chunk of them. But I will say that my taste in those books skews more character driven and more upbeat. So my favorite heroes, the ones that I buy on the regular are Captain Marvel, uh, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan uh, and Squirrel Girl are my yeah, favorite. I like Squirrel Girl. And you know, I think you've hit on something there. You're, you're, you helped me at least kind of articulate how I feel because like, for instance, I'm really digging spider woman right now, you know, Jessica drew. And part of the reason I like it is because it's, you know, I know she's going to win the day and she's going to defeat them, but I like watching this transition she's going through. She used to be like a big time superhero fighting cosmic threats. And she said, you know what? Screw this. I'm tired of it. I'm going to do street level stuff. And she's trying to start a life. She has a kid and like, she's got a ex con who's now her babysitter. <laughs> and Like watching her, like, as a character, I know that's gonna that has a chance at evolution. I know she's gonna beat the big guy with the shark head at the end of the end of the issue. But as long as it's drawn well, I'm okay. But I think you're right, the character driven, I think maybe that's what keeps me as long as it's good. So and Seth, what about you? Well, uh, I'll give you a rundown. My my poll list right now, in terms of like monthly issues, has no capes books at all. Uh, now that's a, maybe a little bit misleading, but uh, I get uh, the Wicked and the Divine. I get uh, anything Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonia, uh, anything uh, like fan uh, fantasy related in the Robert E. Howard world. Uh, a handful of Avatar books, like the the Crossed series, but that's basically ended at this point, and I don't know what they're gonna do. Uh, that's that's going to come out next. And there's a handful of image series that I like getting uh, the, the graphic novels for. And then as far as DC, anything that I read DC is mostly from Vertigo. Like I, I, I had the American Vampire series in my pull list, but that's basically ended at this point too. So my pull list is kind of bare. Anything capes related uh, as far as Marvel goes, I haven't had anything in my pull list since uh, Bendis and Bagley left Ultimate Spider-Man. And whatever I do get is like some of the oversized hardcovers here and there. But like I remember I was getting Daredevil. I was getting uh, most of the Ultimate titles, uh, some Captain America stuff, and that kind of all fell by the wayside. But I don't view myself as being a pretentious non-capes reader like i don't despise superhero books and i don't gravitate towards 
black and white stories with people standing around talking all the time. Uh, most of what I gravitate towards is like the high, uh, high epic fantasy, science fiction type stuff. Like the the book you know, Wicked plus the Divine, I think is a, a a great book, but I think it could be like so much better with a different artist who could give oh. like a completely different treatment to it. Oh. Well, have you seen the the issues that they've had the guest artists work yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Really interesting experiment. Not all of them successful. Yeah, somewhere it was like, wait, go back, go back to the other artist. <laughs> it's like this Definitely. is not a step up. I, I'm a massive, massive Jamie McKelvey fan, and um, I, I think their partnership has been really amazing. The things that they've been able to do together, and Matt Wilson, like the triumvirate of the of the three of them, I think is so powerful. But um, they just and so they've just finished an arc of the story, and the next issue that's going to start the next arc, uh, McKelvey and Kevin Wada are actually going to split artist duties. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow it's going to be like a, a joint project. And I, I, I'm, I'm like going crazy. I think it's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, most of what I've been reading is like been discontinued at this point. And I'm kind of worried. Like I filled out, I get, I go through discount comic book service for a monthly shipment. And I had like three or four books this past month. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Because this is a, that, at that point, it's not worth the shipping right. to, to go through with the order. So I was just like, well, time to add a bunch of trade paperbacks that I don't need. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I've, I've got the rest of that Birthright series uh, in the oh, trades. Yeah, and I'm really glad that Image is doing, they're keeping their trade paperback prices very reasonable. Like a lot of the first trade paperbacks are with through DCBS are like five dollars, six dollars, wow. and the the whole Birthright series, the trades are ten dollars, which is super reasonable to, to basically get five or six issues worth of content. So, and I think they're doing that. They did that with the Nailbiter series too. The, like the first trade yeah. of that was extremely well priced, but uh, I'm I'm disappointed that there's not more Conan. The Barbarian stuff being put out by Dark Horse and uh, Red Sonia stuff being put out by Dynamite. There was a wa- there was a few years there where there were two or three Conan books, or at least two, like two Conan books a, a month, and then a, a couple Red Sonia books a month. And those are my two favorite characters. But I don't get anything. Part part of my decision not to get single issues is because I do the custom hardcover uh, binding thing uh, through like a, a separate book binder so I can take all, I, I buy singles of all the books I can take the ads out of and to remove the staples and ruin the value of my books and have them <laughs> custom bound. So Nick, Nick can probably show you uh, some pictures of my, oh, yeah. of my collection. I have, I have a friend who does um, custom binding. Uh, yeah. But he, he's, he's getting into that. Uh, he did a special one for Kelly Sue uh, with, for Captain Marvel, and it was awesome. Yeah, I just got my my last order. I had like fourteen books come in, and uh, they were through House and Bindery, and I was able to design all the covers. So I scanned like a bunch of artwork, and it got more, much more involved than I anticipated it being. But it was a nice challenge to co- to kind of go through the process and make some very unique 
you know, one of a kind uh, books that nobody else has. Very cool. Yeah. So believe it or not, guys, I actually, I was like, Seth and I, this has been my first week of school. I'm back teaching. So it's like crazy. So, uh, but I was able to get some good questions for us this week. I'm going to start, I'm going to keep the nerd train going here. Awesome. This is from Joe Campbell. These are our random questions. And you guys might have to help me out. I'm not a big Star Trek fan. That's where I lose some nerd credit. I just, I'm just not a huge Star Trek fan, but uh, he had to, he had to walk me through this a little bit. Um, so maybe you two, I don't know if you two don't know this reference and we're really screwed on this question, but what if Kirk never made it back from the mirror universe? What would have, what would have happened? I, I don't know. I don't know this one. I'm assuming this is an, an original series question and I am not familiar. Yeah. I'm not really either too much. Seth, the mirror universe, the, the universe they, of they, evil Spock and all that stuff. Oh, that's beyond me too. I was thinking, oh, I, I started thinking about, the, the movie Generations, where they went into the Nexus, and that was not obviously not what he's talking about. I, I honestly do. Yeah, Joe, I'm really sorry. We're, I think I think what happened if he stayed in the Mirror Universe is he realized that Star Trek really isn't just that good, and he just kind of lived his life. He would see sorry, that his tu- <laughs> he would see that his toupee is not fool- fooling anyone. Yeah, um, I don't know. I wonder what would happen. Because in the mirror universe, like the apparently, like the Federation was an empire, captains were tyrants, and they were only displaced by being murdered. I think he would have. I think he would have eventually murdered his way to the top. I think he would have assimilated that ruthlessness without like the. I know enough Star Trek to say if he didn't have the balming influence of like the good people around him, I think Kirk would have gone off the deep end. I don't know. I could have seen. I could see him fomenting a revolution, and yeah. Try- to to change he does have that much like harry potter he has that saving people thing yeah yeah that's true so ruling Sorry, all Jeff. ruling all the green women with his uss <laughs> enterprise yeah <laughs> all right um where was the next one okay this <laughs> this one she asked like she was just joking about it, so oh, we're going with it she said uh this is from heather curtis she has she has uh, kids who just start. She says, "Why do why do my children hate food?" Uh, and my thing is, I can't remember ever being a picky eater. My mom claims I was, but I always remember just eating the heck out of things. If um, you, maybe you should stop chewing it for them first, and then there you go. Like it, yeah. I don't know. I, it, are her children between the ages of two and six? No. Well, one is, but yeah. the others are older than that. Well, most. All kids, at least the vast majority of the children I have been around, which includes my niece and nephew, go through this period when they're like three, between three and four, when they just don't eat. They'll like snack on things, but over like it's almost impossible to get them to eat. And they're just like, how are you alive? You don't eat anything. It's amazing. But somehow they survive. And eventually they're like, they figure it out that, oh, food is good. And I can eat more than a bird eats, and it's all good. See, so, yeah. I don't remember that phase. It's just a thing that kids do to infuriate their parents. I don't remember that phase at all. Mm-hmm. I, I would eat anything. Yeah. You, you wouldn't because, you know, you were three. And I was probably suffering from, like, iron deficiency and delirious because I was hungry. Right. You know, because <laughs> I wasn't eating. Like, how does that, huh? Well, I remember the first food I didn't like was I got sick from eating mushrooms uh, from a can, my my mom oh. made a pizza or something. And she put canned mushrooms on on this thing, <laughs> and I threw up. 
So for the longest time, I did not like mushrooms. I don't blame you. That would that would turn me off mushrooms as well. But I was still eating. That's the thing. I was at least eating. I think all kids inherently are assholes in a way, and it's just how they get their kicks. Yeah, there's it stems from that when they it's a the learned behavior of if I cry a lot, I'll get what I want, and as soon as they figure that out. Right, if they just like stand defiant, like I'm not going to eat this until you bring me birthday cake, three meals a day, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore, and they just go hungry. We advocate starving your child until uh, they give in. Yeah, it's, it's more money for you to buy comics, really. Uh, good point. So, <laughs> all right, this one's from Robert Reed, who's another writer. These are a bunch of. Uh, he has a couple. How many Godzilla films have you seen, and which is your favorite? I, as a kid, used to watch on the Saturdays on on Turner Broadcasting Network, like this monster uh, monster like showcase. You know, they show all. So I have seen countless Godzilla movies, but you know, uh, I have to. This is going to sound. This is going to make me look like such a douche, and people who are real Godzilla fans are going to hate me. I admit that the characters, the human characters, were really wooden and terrible. But the latest Godzilla movie, the reboot, I thought was so amazingly well done as far as the monster stuff. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Now, I will say when I was a kid growing up, I loved uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, but it always made me mad because I thought it was BS. Uh, Godzilla should have destroyed King Kong, and the only reason he survived that fight was because lightning hit him randomly eight times and woke him up after Godzilla had kicked his ass. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I would watch it hoping that the, that the outcome would change, and it never did. But there we go. What about you guys? Well, I'm a, I'm I'm just a huge Matthew Broderick fan. He's so dreamy. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> so dreamy. Yeah. Godzilla. Who? <laughs> uh, no. Um, you're you're right, Nick. There, I remember the one move, one moment in the last Godzilla movie where you see that he's like. It's kind of that hazy full frame of him and the sound kind of cuts out and he lets out that roar for the yeah. first and you just like oh that that's like that's like all the epic power that Godzilla's supposed to be. I will admit I've only seen bits and pieces of all the old ones. So I oh. I am, you know, hardly in a place to say which one is my favorite, but I more watched it for watching all the the awesome overdubbing of the Japanese people running around. Yeah. Just being <laughs> yeah. just like, Godzilla is attacking our city. And then mouths moving and then running away and then fly, just like people falling over each other and flying off the screen. And what about you, Alyssa? Well, does Pacific Rim count? Not as a Godzilla movie, but I think it's better than most of them. Yeah. That was a great. Movie. Yeah. Uh, well, to be perfect, I have never seen a Godzilla movie. What? Not even the reboot? Not even the reboot. Oh, even so deep love for Matthew Broderick. Uh, no, no, no. I'm well, not talking not... the reboot. No, 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 no. That doesn't count. That was an abomination. I'm talking the reboot, like from two years ago. Oh, the Brian Cranston one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They fooled us. They fooled us thinking that Brian Cranston was headlining this movie and he was in it for like 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did not see it. I, I'm not really sure why because I was like, well, that looks pretty decent. Uh, yeah, my most exposure to Godzilla and the pantheon of monsters 
is the South Park episode when Barbara Streisand becomes Mecca and uh, has to be taken down by the the the, the guy from The Cure. And uh, yeah, that that's like where all of my <laughs> come from. That's actually probably a better Godzilla like movie or, or piece of media than about half of the ones that were made. <laughs> so that's okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I, yeah, and I, I don't remember. I saw so many of them. I would just like they kind of start to wash together. I think my favorite thing about it is my dad would help me record them on VHS, and when I go back and watch them like years later, they have all the old school commercials and advertisements for news at the time <laughs> in the middle. So. Those, that's fun to watch. So. All right, this is another one from Robert. I usually don't let two questions, but I like this question so much I, I allowed it. What is your favorite Olympic event, and who is your favorite Olympic athlete, past or presence? It's topical. You know what? Like, I, I think my favorite event probably would be... In all Olympics or specifically summer or winter? Or are we just going full, all things included? Full, all. You know, uh, this is going to make me sound really creepy. I feel guilty when I watch gymnastics. I do too. Like, yeah, it's like, how old is this? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should, but, you know, and it's like, this is beautiful. This is artistic. And I, I'm trying to tell my lizard brain to shut up yeah. the whole time. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I can't this is it. not for you. This is not yeah, for like, you. I'm trying to enjoy this for the artistry, but dang. Gymnastics. <laughs> is my favorite gymnastics. I'm a girly girl when it comes to my, uh, my Olympic sports and it's gymnastics, figure skating and, uh, equestrian. Not not dressage. I I love dressage. I really do. And I think it's because I rode horses. I was a horse. I was a horse girl. I was one of those girls, uh, horses for a long time. And it, it actually is much, much, much harder than it looks. It really does take a very involved relationship between you and your horse, and it's 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 tough. It's it's as much a sport for the animal as it is for the person, which is why I think it's interesting. Yeah, usually, what about you, Seth? usually by the end, the the first week of the Olympics is always better than the second. Uh, by the end of the fir- of this like the second weekend, I have like Olympics fatigue, and all the rest of the events like uh, synchronized diving and a lot of the track and field stuff kind of happens. And then the last event of the entire Olympics is like somebody rowing a boat across, you know, some line in anticlimactic fashion. But I've been watching, I I will watch the heck out of just about anything for about 15 seconds. So I'll like, all right, let's see what Olympic, Olympic judo looks like. Please hold me. That doesn't include the gymnastics thing. Cause that, Oh no! I'll, wa- I'll watch. Okay. <laughs> I'll watch the heck out of some gymnastics. I'm not yeah. doing a Rick Pitino here for 50 yeah, okay. seconds. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll watch. Like, all right, let's see what table tennis looks like for about 15 seconds. And I set up the DVR actually here at the house to record all of the Olympics, like all four channels of of NBC's coverage. So I wake up in the morning and I'll kind of scroll through. It's like, all right, I have. 50 total recordings from the past three days. Let's see what I can find here. So I'll usually watch I'll watch gymnastics, uh, some of the swimming, and surprisingly, I don't know what it is, but I watched a lot of soccer this summer. And usually Olympic soccer is much more boring than stuff like the World Cup or like the Copa America 
in the European tournament that they had earlier this summer. Because uh, it's all like under 23, like the the age limit is 23. But I've watched a lot of the women's soccer and the actually the men's soccer tournament uh, in addition to the gymnastics and, and that stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, if, if you are not, if people have not watched Simone Biles and frankly, all of the women uh, oh, yeah. in their gymnastics, you're literally missing a once in a lifetime gymnast. That girl, like phys- there was a physicist on NPR who was like, I literally don't understand where she's putting the force to yeah. stick her standings. It shouldn't be physically possible for her to do what she's doing. It's all that, yeah. all that thigh strength, Nick. All that thigh strength. You see, and you're bringing me out. You're bringing the lizard brain. <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, but you're right, though. I mean, she's like, that's the other thing is like the stuff that she can do. And like Ali Raisman, like, yeah. Yeah. it's just like come on, like, that's physically impossible. Like, that's like, like, if that was on a video game, that'd be a freaking glitch. And each one, it's um, it's awesome. And I, I'm a little sad, and we're, we're getting really down into the weeds of this. But so you might have noticed there are, we have a five-girl squad. It used to be seven. And next Olympics, it's going to be down four. to four. Yeah. Which really, I think, is such a detriment because these girls, like, the whole reason that... um Madison is on the squad is for her one uneven marks. Yeah. One event. And you know, she was she would never have been able I mean, she's good, but that is really for those other girls are just so much better. Lori on her her floor exercise, they're each I love seeing those each thing that they're really, really good at. So yeah. I'm 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 disappointed in, in what that's we're not gonna get that same feeling next time. And and the third the third best gymnast in the entire world didn't even get to compete in the yeah. all around because because they only take two per team, and you could just see like in uh, Gabby Douglas you could see it on her face that she was she was like excited for the the team and everyone else who got to compete but it was like man missed missed opportunity to yeah. just you because of a stupid rule exactly and it is a stupid like I I under I theoretically understand the rule. But I fundamentally think it's yeah. unfair to the to the athletes. Yeah, I will say, Ali Ali Raisman, her floor routine in the all around was like the best thing I've ever seen in terms I, of just like all around. It was just that's that was like I've got them on my DVR and I haven't gotten to watch it yet. Oh, but I'm I'm awesome. with you. Where so we have um, TVs in our office and we just keep them on all day. It's when nothing exciting is happening, it's usually uh, the uh, either the Food Network or the Home Improvement Channel. But we've basically had the Olympics on twenty four seven in the office. Uh, so I've gotten to watch, you know, all the crazy stuff that's on during the day. Like we've watched a lot of table tennis and uh, what do you call it with the shuttlecocks? Uh, this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's your new tagline. You're welcome. Uh, watch our anyway. shuttlecocks launch your shuttlecocks uh but anyway yeah watched a lot of women's wrestling today had no idea that like yeah it was really even a thing end of the America- second week it's pretty slim pickings for yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what's yeah, what's the worst what's the worst stuff. event for the olympics go the opposite way what's what's the your worst event that you cannot understand why people watch curling I, I'm sorry. I know everyone thinks it's cool and it's it's like, oh, this is neat, but I don't get it. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I watch yeah. it. Now. Well, now I will say this. 
Lucy, you'll hate me. I, I think corsage is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I'm just not into it. <laughs> I, I under, I totally understand why people think it's dumb. I completely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, bronze medal bottle of glue at the end of that event. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm sorry, but like, but yeah, curling, I just don't, I don't get the, I don't get the appeal. Yeah. I don't get the, I'm like that. At some point, I think they're, it's like they're, they're just trying to make up games to fill time. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like the invention of, of handball, you know, it's like, do we really need this? Like, I can understand they brought golf back. Okay. They brought rugby back this for the first time in, in a while this year. And that was cool because the Fiji team won. It was like their first medal in who knows how long. It was uh, awesome. And and you can for for me the kind of knee jerk reaction is like anything having to do with accuracy. Like they have an air pistol event where it's you shoot an air gun like at targets and you get a gold medal for that. While someone like Simone Biles is like. <laughs> Like genuinely putting her life on hold for four years to win the, the same gold medal. So for me, it's, it's probably air pistol. This is this is in the same thing. This is another this is another one. Let me get this going off the Olympic question. This is from Tyler Sewell. He says, "If you had the ability to create a new Olympic event that you had to compete in, what would it be? Assuming you wanted to give yourself the best chance at getting gold, Nathan's hot dog eating championship contest." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you got it there. I don't, I don't think I could win that. I wonder if... Uh, I wouldn't win it either, but I'd try. That's literally... I cannot watch that. It's Yeah, it's, it's my awful. It's my favorite thing in the entire world because the idea of shoving wet hot dog buns... Oh, talk to me. ...makes... I gag watching it. I, I cannot physically... It ruins my Thanksgiving. I don't <laughs> understand why it's a thing. Yeah. Oh, my brother-in-law is obsessed with it. And so they'll have it on TV and I'm like, bye, I will be going to the other room because even just like thinking about it makes me want to throw up. Well, the best part is the announcers who treat you. They're, they're, they're going off like ESPN analysts. These athletes are just incredible. The amount of training they have to go through. Look at the way she moves her body to get all the hot dogs down further and make room and just screaming at you like it's, yeah, like like it's a gold medal swimming event or something. You're just like these people are just eating. It's it's not even human what they're doing. They're they're like cramming two wieners a time in their at a time in their mouth, and they're dipping the buns in lemonade and just like squeezing them to try and make them as dense as possible. And then the winner eats God. like sixty something of them. It's so horrifying. Happy Fourth I mean, of July. That, that <laughs> is the kind of thing. That I feel like, even though I know that there are international competitors, but let's be honest, it was an American idea of. Com- I feel like competitive eating must have started. <laughs> born yeah. in born in the depths of some golden corral somewhere. <laughs> Just <laughs> terrible about like, the United States. It's like I got an idea. Ugh. Yeah, no, gross. I um, think I would do con walking, like at comic cons and stuff, like because I walk with bags on my shoulders. And I think if I could, I can, I can outlast anybody con walking. Cause like I see all these people getting tired, like just walking, you know, stuff. And I, I walk with like 30, 40 pounds of gear around me and, and stuff. And I'm like, I bet if we did con walking and you have to stay up and you have to go to booths. Well, that's and like, you know, 
That's the speed walking event, Nick. You no, 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 no. But you have to have you have to be carrying stuff and stopping to talk to people and avoiding lines, and and being scared to interact with people that you don't know. Yeah, avoid eye contact. And, yeah. yeah. And, and then, uh, oh yeah, Alyssa, I forgot to tell you a great story. So you know how I get nervous around Kelly Sudakonic, right? Yes, I do. Okay, so, so I go up to her, and like I get her to sign my books, and I'm like, uh, and I, I actually managed to get out complete sentences to her. I'm really proud of myself, and I like, uh, I like, oh, I didn't, I didn't sound like a dumbass. And she's like, all right. I said, well, thank you again. It was nice seeing you. I'm like, oh my god, I did this. And I walk away, and I thought I heard her yell my name, and I'm like, oh, Nick, you're just being a dumbass. She didn't say, she didn't call out to you. She doesn't even know your name properly. And I go over, well, then I go to reach in my bag to get my computer out. I'm like, where the hell is my computer bag? I left it on the table. Oh, no. All the way back. And she she called me to get it. Oh. Yeah. I just suck. I suck. Yeah, you you walk away from a table thinking, you are nothing, Nick. How could you possibly think anyone would have any human interaction with you? (laughs) And then you leave your computer. Bless your heart. I know. That was me. That was me when I met Stan Lee. That I was. Like, I was uh, exactly. Uh, Spider Man with me, and then we <laughs> we did the flip together and got our picture. Nice. This is a weird question from Patrick. I like it. Wait, wait. Just... I want to answer my Olympic event question. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. yeah. I thought of one. Okay. Uh, running in high heels. Ooh. I am. Very, I am very good at it, and I. I, I think I could be competitive. Yeah, that's oh, that's a good one. You know what? That's actually, yeah, because that's I bet that's like insanely hard to do. But there are people, yeah. Of course, you'd have you'd have like a judge following you, like they do the speed walkers, to make sure one one point of contact is always on the floor. So they'd have a judge following you. Like, there's got to be some particular form you have to maintain when you run in high heels. All right. So last question, because we're all fading here. We'll have to if if we didn't get to someone's. Uh, oh, I'm gonna leave off. Okay, I can't leave off Davis. Okay. Well, here we'll try to do these too quick. Would you? This is from Patrick. He says, "Would you rather be able to read people's body language perfectly, but as a consequence, you left a trail of baked beans everywhere behind you where you walked, or would you like to be able to inject a thought into someone's mind to influence them, but only when you're naked in public with onlookers? I've got to go with the baked beans." Because not only would you be able to understand people, but like it's baked beans. Like I mean, I know that's embarrassing, but if you're hungry, yeah, it'd be very popular at the soup kitchen. Yeah, yeah, I'd well, go with the first one too. If you'd want to eat them, though, ah, uh, floor baked beans all the time, so it wouldn't be sanitary. Not, not all the time, but I mean, like you know, if you're walking through somewhere that looks clean and you're hungry, well, who even says you have to eat them? I just leave that mess for someone else to clean up, like I always do. <laughs> I, I would have to go for number two just because I don't think it w- I would need to do it that often or would want to do it that often. So being naked occasionally as opposed to constantly having a trail of baked beans, I, I, I would have to go with number two. True. I'm, I'm a more it, practical person, I guess. Well, yeah, and you know what you can do? Nakedness is very practical. Right. You can in, inject a thought into someone's mind to influence them. I found a loophole in Patrick's thing. So while you're naked there, you could inject a thought to someone's mind to That's take true. off their clothes and run around so everyone watches them instead. Or just make there them think that you're not naked or think that you're very attractive while naked. There you go. Dude, that would work. All right, last one. This is David. He says, 
you win a contest where you get a lifetime supply of something, but you must consume it five times a day. What do you choose? I'm going to go, I'm going to be a total white girl here and I'm going to go with Starbucks coffee. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Don't judge me. The, I, I'm not judging. I mean, I feel like you would be spending most of your life in the bathroom. No different than how it is now. That's like a $500 a day habit. <laughs> yeah, but it's a lifetime supply. <laughs> Like they said, you get a lifetime supply. Yeah, I don't see. savor it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go with um, Mexican restaurant queso. Like, oh, speaking of spending your life on the toilet. Oh. <laughs> I I feel yeah. like I'm already 90% queso. It's my favorite thing in the world. You got to have and something I, to plug up the coffee holes in your stomach. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go have some coffee every once in a while. Yeah, no, it would have to be queso. I it's my favorite thing in the entire world, and I I already eat far too much of it, so Oof. it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to eat it five times a day. Oh my gosh, I don't I don't know that there's anything. I'm trying to think of something that I wouldn't get sick of. Yum. I eat five times a day. I, I tell you what, I drink tea a lot. I can't do coffee, but I drink tea a lot. So I'll go with I'll go with tea. Good pee a lot. And, Tea is the best. Now, are you a are you a cream and sugar tea person, or are you like a green tea with honey or whatever person? I've gotten to the point where I can drink it just straight with without any. If anything, I might put a little bit of half of a Splenda or something, half a sweetener in there. But I I brew my own tea. I have like an a nice tea maker, and I also have a, an electric kettle that I can pick the temperature. What the I, hell is all that? Like, I didn't like this about you. You have like a whole tea factory and you do all this stuff. This is like, I didn't, this is something about one thing about you. I didn't know. Well, it's not like I'm making meth in my basement, but it's, no, uh, but I mean, this is a pretty serious tea operation. Like, yeah, it's like, there's this one particular tea that I like and you either have to, you can order it online or, uh, I think it, it it's, it's only sold at whole foods. I, I went in so many times looking for this tea and I called three or four times to see if they had it in stock because they, they would never they would never get in stock. But they sold it at the the tea and coffee bar that they have in the store. So finally I it got so bad I, I went in and I asked in this very attractive uh, woman working behind the counter, she brought up this whole bag that they of this tea that that i've been asking for and it's like 24 they make like a gallon pitcher i mean this thing probably would sell for like 150 dollars and she just gave it to me and she said here this is because you've been so persistent and we can't get our act together so she gave me this whole bag of tea uh for free and it's going to last me probably maybe a week but uh (laughs) but yeah yeah, so I, I would I would go for tea. I can drink tea five times a day. I have I, uh, all sorts of different flavors and natural brews, white tea, green tea. I, I I back you up on your tea connoisseurship. I too am a tea connoisseur. I like mine British style, so I drink it with cream and sugar. Mm. And I only drink like the stuff that is imported from Britain. Huh. There's there's an end cap in my Publix that it's this one long skinny shelf. It's like in the middle of 
some random section in the store and they have like Branston pickle and Heinz baked bean, like this, all this British import British candy and stuff. And they have tea. And uh, that is where I get my tea. I'm very, very particular about it. We have a tea house in uh, here in McKinney. There's a guy who, who blends, he put, he'll put like dried fruit and all sorts of different stuff in different combinations uh, so I've I've been to his shop a number of times, just buying bags of stuff. Really, really good him. stuff. He is awesome. We are we are pro tea. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you. Glad we got over. I was I was worried we were going to lose Seth. Maybe maybe your dad had found the Torque Master sixty nine password and booted you offline. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I had a yep. uh, feeling he was rebooting things. <laughs> so. All right. For for, uh, inviting me. I had a blast. Yeah, we'll have you back. This was fun. Awesome. I would love to come back. I'm going to go to bed so I don't murder children tomorrow due to lack of sleep. Stick around. You can afford one or two bodies. Oh, yeah, that's fine. As long as you get tired. (laughs) By the way, uh, Alyssa, this is pretty cool. You know who Statler and Waldorf are from the Muppets? Of course. Okay, so. I ordered, I've never ordered a Muppet toy, but from Diamond Select, I ordered the Statler and Waldorf toy, and it comes with their little balcony, and I've hung it from my ceiling near my writing table, and I'm going to put them in there so they can mock me while I write. <laughs> I love it. How much were yeah. those? Uh, 25 bucks. Oh, man, I'm going to get some. I'll put them in my practice room. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice. Cool. All right, well, I'll talk to you all later. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye. Bye. See y'all. Bye.